Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can hear background music. I do have Enigma on the back while I was working my notes. I can turn it down, though. Um, no, actually, I don't hear it. You're good. And if you hear any background noises, it's just my kids. Because they're assholes. So, um, with the exception of me mooing at you all day, <laughs> how have you been? Um, very much mooed at by multiple children and... Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sophie started moving in the corner, so I'm slightly disturbed. And I'm probably going to go outside and get hit by a cow. Why would you get hit by a cow? It's a pandemic, not a tornado. <laughs> it's Colorado. Okay, okay. Yeah. They fly around. Well, apparently, really apparently Colorado has uh, flying cows. So. Actually, our tumbleweeds are the worst. Like, our tumbleweeds are really bad. Like, they'll fly underneath the car, and all of a sudden, it's just a herd of tumbleweeds just come flying, and then there's traffic, and then that's when you bring the tumbleweed, and you put it onto your uh, manager's desk. Are tumbleweeds really called herds? They are. It's a herd of tumbleweeds. I'm, I'm going to Google this. One second. Please do. It is a thing. What is a group? Not a group home. What is a group? <laughs> That's where you're, you're going next. Tumbleweeds. What was a group of tumbleweeds called? Oh my gosh, it is actually a herd. I'm from Colorado. The cl- there isn't a collective term for tumbleweeds. And if there is, it's not used enough for anyone to understand the word. So metaphorically, they're referred to as herds of tumbleweeds. Or pretty much anything else you want to, because they suck. That is yeah, the actual Google definition right there. Like, I Google told you, like, yeah, herds of tumbleweeds will come at you. I think it broke Jess's brain. A little bit, like a herd of tumbleweeds. We went from a herd of cattle to a herd of tumbleweeds. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today, Jess? Uh, we got some pint-sized psychos. And no, I'm not talking about my children or my husband. Or me. Let's be real. I'm 5'4". Yeah, compared to me, you are kind of pint-sized. I'm standing at 5'11 and a half. She gets the stuff off the top shelf for me. Yeah. This is why we'll probably never cover Bigfoot, because the whole time, he'll just be in the background screaming, I know where Bigfoot is! She's in Michigan! Yep. Um, This week, we're covering killer kids. And no, we don't mean people that kill their kids. Like, crazy little the children psycho children that kill everybody else. Like, crazy little psycho children. And it brings up a lot of interesting details. Uh, you know, the age limit as to when do you try a child as an adult murderer? Do you send them to GV? Do you send them to prison? Is there any t- possibility of rehab with some of these guys? I mean, if you go to jail when you're six and you get a life sentence... You're probably not getting out until the world ends, essentially. Which might be in the next week or two if we keep going the way we're going. That's besides the fact. <laughs> well, we're ignoring the pandemic this this episode. Keep it in tune for the next couple of episodes. We might answer that, but it's just cuts too close to home. Yeah, we're kind of dealing with our anxiety issues and... You know, I'm going on almost two months trapped in this house. Um, And I'm wearing dog collar. So we are all just maintaining our anxiety at this point in multiple different ways. I have on One of this is being our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I have have socks with aliens on them. That counts, right? 
Okay, so on to what you guys actually want to be listening to. So and it is got so not our sides. random crap. <laughs> As just takes your so it at is the very... only one o'clock my time zone, and I'm only, already drinking. I'd still be drinking if it was only eleven. And it just it's there's no construct of time anymore. There isn't. So I have a little bit thing that Jess doesn't actually even know about this this time around. Oh my. So when I go through my story, I've got a series of questions. Jess is the drinker over here. She gets the question wrong, she's got a drink. Oh crap. Hell So drink everybody. Get a piece of paper, get a pencil, get uh, something there, because I got a couple good questions for you. You can't use Google, and let's get just drunk. Hard, but okay. (laughs) I actually ate today, which for someone who loves to eat so much, I tend to forget to do. I mean, I don't know how you can forget to feed yourself, but I do do so quite often. The wind just hit my front door and it slammed, like the screen door slammed shut. Scared the crap out of me. Okay, so maybe we'll ease it up on the drinks. Uh, well, lots of orders are coming in for different things because, you know, somebody's got to keep Amazon in business and I'm pretty sure it's going to be me. <laughs> so for one of our first cases, um, I have got the story of the crucifixion murder that was in 1971. So for a second here, let's actually go back to 1971 and see how what happened in 1971. Um, some of the I'm things that happened drugs. was lots of drugs. Drink, drink. There actually wasn't a whole hell of a lot. Can you guess guess the gas prices in 1971? Uh, 1971, I'm gonna guess 75 cents. Close, but 36 cents a gallon. Drink. Yeah. I feel like that was more like towards the like 40s and 50s, not the 70s. That sounds insane. All right, I got another one for you. Cost of eggs. The cost of eggs, um... They're not really that expensive now, so I'm going to go with, like, 10 cents a dozen. 53 cents a gallon. Of eggs? Yeah. Or 53 cents a carton is what I meant to say. I was about to say a gallon of eggs. a gallon of eggs. No. Christ. No. (laughs) Are they already shelled? Because if so, I'll pay that much for a gallon worth of (laughs) My bad. I apparently can't read. And I'm the one drinking. Oh, whatever. (laughs) So... Uh, a couple other things that have been going on what, in um, 1971 was the Walt Disney World Resort opened up in Florida. Mount Elna erupted. The voting age was lowered to U.S. and U.K. to 18, and then the U.K. moves to a decimal currency. So just some you know, fun facts of what happened in 1971. While Little Pine Size Killers are out killing people. Everyone loves fun facts. Yep. Like, whenever so, I put fun facts in my notes, I actually just write FF. It's like, FF. Anyway, moving on from Jess's FFFFF, <laughs> we are going to be taking a look at what what caused this. So, back to my FFFFs. FF. 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 Okay, so, my story is a little crazy. I just want to give you a background of what was kind of going on in 1971, prices of things, that kind of thing. So we're going to be talking about two kids. 
The 10-year-old Bobby and 7-year-old Billy lived with their father, a vocational school student and former shipyard worker who was separated from his wife. He gave Bobby and Billy bus passes to visit their mother, mother across town, described as pretty uh, frequent kids. I mean, they behaved themselves. I mean, they went about their days and came back home. They didn't give their dad too much hassle. They, they were used to walking the streets alone, sometimes for miles away. The father, the two boys, and the younger son lived in a four-bedroom rail, railroad flat in the Pacific Heights, not far from Alta Plaza Park. It was a rough neighborhood. Both older boys had witnessed robberies, muggings, all the nasty stuff that city had, had to offer. Their father often told reporters after, after everything had happened that the boys claimed they had been beaten up by neighborhood kids. Melanie Alba, a 20-year-old mother of two, told reporters she kept an eye on the children at the park while sunbathing in the grass nearby. Noah, a blue-eyed, blonde-haired to toddler, was easy to spot in his green Levi's, but small enough at 30 pounds and 25 inches tall, just easy to lose track of. Now, I know all you mothers are out there like, yeah, you see that kid, and then he's gone. You see that kid, and then he's gone. Or you got those uh, ones that are, I would never lose my kid. Let me tell you, I got three of them, and I lose them in my own house. Yeah. Um, my dog seems to uh, want to be in the wiener dog suit of shame every time she goes through the fence. So every time we go to take a poo, we're going to wear the weenie dog suit of shame. So all you parents that are like, I couldn't lose my kid. That would never happen to my kid. It could. Listen to the story because you honestly could lose your kid forever. So, backtrack a little bit here. In the spring of 1971, the camera shutter clicks on an innocent childhood scene. Two boys on the playground, playing on swings, goofing around on the sandlot, walking hand in hand with the toddler, blue sneakers, and a red and white striped t-shirt. But this image shifts. The next snapshot is horrific. The two boys are in a basement now, kicking and stomping on the toddler. Beating him with a brick, tying him naked to the makeshift wooden cross, and leaving him to die. It became known as the crucifixion murder, and the two young brothers, 7-year-old and the 10-year-old, killing the 20-year-old month they had just met at the park. How did the public and police react to such incident back then, and what became of those two boys? Fast forward almost 25 years later, the two brothers have found... 20-month-old Noah wandering alone. In his 1997 interview with Frontline, Bobby said they had asked the child where his mother was, and when he couldn't tell him, they took the youngster by the hand and took him through the park, asking strangers if they had known his mother. When they weren't able to locate his mother, they took the youngster by the hand and led him through the park and down to a basement. There was nobody down there either. At that point, what they decided to do is, honestly, one of the most gruesome crimes ever committed by child killers. They decided to beat him, and they wasn't, and neither kid was convicted until 20 years later when the bones were found in the basement. I have a question. Yes. This sounds an awful lot. Like, have you seen that show on Netflix, Mindhunters? Mm-hmm. 
Is that the one they touch on where his son helps kill the boy in the basement? That is correct. Yeah, okay. it's the same one. Mm-hmm. Just, one giving a little, is... uh, just giving a little uh, movie reference there. It helps connect things for people. Exactly. And... Once the police had discovered the child, both boys confessed assaulting the toddler. They were... They said that they were playing with Noah, Noah when a brick accidentally fell on his head. But we have pictures of him being brutally beat by these kids' feet. They explained that he took off the baby's clothes, that he had wet his diapers, and tied them to a cross so he couldn't escape. Bobby told Frontline that the cross formation, which had mystified police in the public, grew out of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the native belief that the baby could be resurrected too. I'm going to kill this kid, I'm going to build a cross, and I'm going to hope for the best. Jesus! That's bonkers! They did admit to the crime, and they did admit to why they had a cross formation. Here's your question, it's for viewers as well as Jess with her alcohol child or monster the police had their suspects but the question of what to do with such young boys bewildering according to the investigators who have worked their case how do you read a seven-year-old his miranda rights and how do you prove premeditation and child's play the san francisco paper ran the headline child murders told by cool seven-year-old but Lonoa Alba's gruesome slaying was an anomaly. In 1971, juvenile arrests in California were on the decline. Few could imagine children killing children, particularly in the era of the Heights Ashbury Flower Children and Psychedella. Even fewer could grasp at charging a 7-year-old and a 10-year-old of homicide. So what do you guys think? I think I've got goosebumps right now. Jesus. Like, I grew up in a very small town in Georgia that was, like, very super crazy person religious. And just the whole, like, Jesus aspect and the thinking that they could actually resurrect this child if they put him on a cross. It gives me chills that they would even, first off, have this belief. Second off, that they just so willingly did this to a baby. It... So what do you think should be happening to these kids? I can't necessarily say monsters either because they did walk through the park trying to find his mother and it just seems like something went wrong at some point and bad decisions were made. I don't believe they're monsters by any means, but because trust me, I did a lot of research on some different ones and some of them are just flat out monsters. Right, exactly. Where's that line drawn? I, I think... They were just shy of the monster line. Like, they were decent kids. They weren't really in trouble all the time. They had a lot of pent-up anger and frustration energy. and energy and just all these, as I they like to put it with my kids. With toddler either. They had too big of emotions to keep inside their tiny cells. They had some big emotions that they didn't know how to handle. And being going back and forth between parents and in a rough neighborhood and... Being boys at that time, they weren't really allowed to show too many emotions without being labeled feminine. Exactly. Exactly. So what ended up happening was the one of the kids actually, to the kids, what's the difference between doing a thing like this or kicking a puppy? Tears streaming down her face. Minutes after identifying the her baby's mutilated body at the morgue. 
A gag or banned discussion of the case outside the courtroom, and the media attention quickly dispatch. I cannot say that word. Apparently, Dr. Dis- Pepper, y'all. Dispatch. Bobby, the 10-year-old, spent two months in juvenile detention before murder charges against the two brothers were dismissed by a juvenile court judge in favor of therapy. The judge ordered them placed in a special home for their two years. So, are you ready to tell you about this? Yes, I've been waiting. You were fighting with a clock. You were fighting with a clock and then Skype and I'm leaving all this in. I'm not editing it out. Us talking about your clock and not being able to see two grown ass people not being able to tell time on a clock. Yes. But... Sophie's like, I could have got that. Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Oh, this... so Sophie. Sophie, are you ready for me to tell you a story about this little boy? All right, we're going to start in 93. 1993? 1993. Okay. When Derek Robbie, who was four years old, walked himself to his daily summer camp. It was a straight walk, no street crossings, and it was only a block or so away. He had never walked anywhere by himself before. But his 18-month-old little brother was acting up, and his mother, in an attempt to try and calm him down, sweet little Derek said, Mommy, I got it. And he went to walk to the summer camp alone. No one even realized that Derek was missing until later that day when his mom came to pick him up from the camp, only to find out he had never even arrived. It was then that Dory Robbie, his mother, contacted the police and they began to search for Derek. His body was quickly found off the path in the brush, brutally beaten, bruised, and sodomized. His lunch had been brought with him, was smashed, and he was covered in his Kool-Aid drink. There was absolutely no suspects. During this entire time, the community came together and helped the Robbies, even paying for his funeral. Everyone was looking for a drifter or what terrible adult could have done this. Because when you think see someone murdered, you don't think anything else. And they immediately went to drifter because they didn't want to say, oh, anyone in our community, anyone we knew could do this. It immediately goes to a drifter or someone just passing through. One member of the community who was especially helpful during this time was 13-year-old Eric Smith. He claimed to have seen Derek early that morning while riding his bike on the way home from camp because Eric had been sent home for bad behavior. Eric even asked the police if he could be of any help in finding the killer. The police felt something was fishy with Eric due to conflicting statements he had given them. At first, claiming he hadn't seen Derek at all, and then later saying he did... And then, during a walkthrough of the area, and when they did a reenactment with Eric on his bicycle, they saw that he couldn't have seen where Derek was at, even if he had wanted to. That's weird. Like, really weird. Adding to their suspicion, they noticed he seemed to enjoy the attention that he was getting from the public and the police department during all of this. He went through sessions of reenactment and helped them through walkthroughs and talking to people. During one of the breaks from one of these reenactment sessions, Eric's father brought him a cup of Kool-Aid. After he had drank what he wanted, Eric took the rest and tossed it to the ground in the same manner the Kool-Aid had been thrown across little Derek's body. The family started to grow weary when he started asking really weird questions for a 13-year-old boy, like, 
Do they have any suspects? And what would they do if they found out a kid had killed Derek? Exactly. A family friend decided to conduct a sort of experiment after the last question. Since the banana at the crime scene had been found smashed, she assumed whoever killed Derek did not like bananas, and it had to have been a child, because an adult simply would have just tossed it to the side or left it alone. It's normally Mm. kids, when they don't like something, they want to destroy it. Right. She went to the store and got everything for ice cream sundaes, in which Eric responded with... Ew, I don't like bananas. They're gross. I just want the nuts mm-hmm. and whipped cream on mine. It was only a couple mm-hmm. days later he confessed to the murder. At this point, the trials were insane. He was 13 years old and he sat straight faced, no tears, no upset, no nothing through all of his court hearings. There was psychiatrist who claimed that he was very young and possibly one of the youngest cases they had ever seen of something called IED, or intermittent explosive disorder. It's defined as a behavioral disorder characterized by explosive outbursts of anger or violence, often to the point of rage. I could see that being more popular than most people think. But it also came out that Eric was bullied terribly by other children. His mother had taken Mm -hmm. medication for epilepsy while she was pregnant with him, causing him to have low-set, protruding ears. He had bright red hair, freckles, and coke-bottom glasses. This kid lost the genetic lottery so hard, like, it couldn't have gotten much worse. He kind of had it coming, unfortunately, with that one. And on top of this, Eric claimed to be abused by his stepfather. His younger sister later claimed that she had been sexually assaulted by him as well. The Mm. stepfather. Not Eric, the stepfather. The whole entire family was just screwed. Eric often went to his real father for advice, and when it came to his anger problems, his father suggested a punching bag, as he had the same problems when he was younger, and that had been his solution. Just to clarify, his father told a 13-year-old boy with known rage issues to hit things to feel better. Well, to play devil's advocate on that, you can, like, with my little brother, he's very aggressive. Wrestling helped him. He's ADHD. Punching bags, scanning out, those are healthy outlets for aggression. But you have to be careful, and it has to be under a controlled environment. It can work. Even my murderers over at where I work, I work in corrections, they still have the same issues. We have personal passes to get them to a gym. Like, it works for them. Well, I mean, I understand it working, but what I'm saying is he told this 13-year-old boy to just go hit things. At this point, the 13-year-old walked outside and beat his knuckles bloody against a tree and came back in and told his father, I feel better. I believe it, though, fortunately. Eric claims that he was just angry the day that he killed Derek from being kicked out of the camp, and poor Derek was just in the wrong place at the wrong time when the 13-year-old happened upon him, claiming to know a shortcut to get to the camp. He took him out of eyesight from anyone who may have been passing by that day. He purposely took him off of the beaten path, to hide what he was doing. At this point, this is where our stories differ. Yours, they walked around. Now, I can say that, you know, taking him into the basement might have been taking him off the beaten path, but 
Eric knew what he had planned for this boy. It was pre um it was, pre-set up. Yeah. Once he had that poor baby alone, he used a stick forced down across his throat to strangle him, dug Oof. up rocks, used them to beat his head in, and dropped them on him. Then God. he squished the banana and threw the Kool-Aid across his wounds. That's this... completely messed up. Now, that is monster level, in my opinion. This wasn't, unfortunately, the first time Eric had shown this extreme level of violent behavior. Except before, it had been his cat that he had suffocated and maimed. Okay, if someone's killing cats, you got a problem. Go ahead and lock them up and get a new Rule number one. Rule number one. We've all seen it on Netflix. Rule number one. You don't fuck with cats. Nope, you don't. You just... See, you don't put them up for adoption. You don't put them up for adoption. You have them admitted to a uh, therapy, therapeutic... That they can never leave? Yeah, like a home from the criminally insane or whatever they call it that's not a Batman reference. See, that's going to be a whole nother episode and we're probably going to have to explore is the legality of whether or not you can lock your kids up for good if you know they'll come back and kill you. Because therapy doesn't always work. Oh, I'd also change my name and move a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> you would so, never find me again. Our Sorry. final episode is going to be how to change your identity and social security card. So stay tuned for that one. <laughs> oh, we're definitely going to cover like people who faked their own deaths or tried to like just walk away from their lives. We're definitely going to cover that. Oh, but I got it. Kill one for that one. Actually, my best friend, my dad's best friend, accidentally married a pussycat girl, and then he, uh, my dad was in charge of faking the death for that. And to this day, she doesn't know. So, all right, yeah. let's get back to Eric and his crazy. Okay, and <laughs> yeah, okay, that train kind of derailed a minute. <laughs> Still slightly derailed because now I'm hearing that pussycat song in my head. Um, you know, the Pussycat, Pussycat or whatever song. Yep, playing in my head. I'm seeing hot chicks. Okay, at this point, Eric went through, like, numerous, numerous tests. Anyway. (laughs) Jace is singing, y'all. Jace is singing. Eric went through numerous tests to see if there was anything medically actually wrong with him that would make him act this way. They knew about the epilepsy drugs his mother had taken during pregnancy. But there was CAT scans, MRIs. There was no abnormalities found in his brain. He was deemed perfectly, I guess for a better word, normal. Not that there's anything normal about anything he was doing, but... He knew right from wrong. He was completely aware of what he had done. And it was clear because he tried to cover it up and ask questions like, what would happen if a kid killed him? You know, he knew what he had done. He knew it was wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. During the trial, he was completely emotionless, with a blank and unremorseful face. He didn't shed a single tear. He was tried as adult, even though he was only 13 years old, of second-degree murder and sentenced to nine years to life. He tries for parole every two years, and every two years is denied. Now think about this. Every two years, poor little Derek Robbie's parents have to sit not knowing if this boy's going to get out of prison. Because they're not even allowed in on these parole hearings. They have to just, like, press through Wait. their day and go to work and 
And they have another son, a younger son. Yeah. I'm hoping they moved and changed their names. Just saying. His last parole hearing was January 22nd, 2020, in which he was denied yet again. So he's up for parole again in January 22? Yep. And now he is... He has taken language courses and writes poetry, and there's many people that are like, oh, he might have been a disturbed young boy, but he's grown into a fine young man. And it's like, no, he hasn't. I don't it can he- happen, but not with this one. It, it can happen. I don't care how many languages he knows or how many poems he writes, but... He can do good from inside a cell. He can stay right there and continue to learn languages and write poems. Yeah. He now also claims that he was never abused, and it makes you wonder if there even was an excuse for his actions that day, or if he just felt like it. Yeah, exactly. In recent interviews with him, uh, when I say recent, past couple of years, because you know YouTube, and (laughs) there's been interviews with him where he said that, oh, I wasn't really abused, I made that up. Oh, I wasn't picked on that bad. I made that up. And it's like, so you just killed the kid because you felt like it? Like, that's a little terrifying. I think you need to stay behind bars. (laughs) Because what happens when you have a bad day again and just feel like it? Exactly. And you decide to pick another small, under, smaller than you, helpless being, whether it be man, woman, or child, and take your bad day out on them. Eric Smith, stay in prison. (laughs) <laughs> stay there <laughs> so, so Jess what do you think of tonight's stories I think we covered both sides of the spectrum pretty well kids that you know just happen upon something and crazy happens and you know yes what they did was absolutely terrible but it wasn't because they were monsters it was because they honestly just were overwhelmed with the crazy of their lives and one thing led to another now, yours, Stone Cold Killer. And then on the other side, we got mine, where he was just probably born bad. Like, I can honestly, yeah. there's some of them you look at and you think, oh, they, they, there is no born good or evil. Then explain how some of these children, children, do these <laughs> things so terrible. They don't learn it. It's not like it's in their everyday life. Now, if it was a child that had been abused and raped and beaten, and I could see. Right. But a child that was doted upon and loved unconditionally to do something like this. Whole nerve ball game. We go from someone had made a bad decision. A child made a bad decision from your story to child just messed up <laughs> exactly like sometimes something in there just when, wasn't well sometimes when you get kids sometimes they became a lawyer sometimes they became infamous so that yeah. just doesn't help your livelihood <laughs> just saying oh, words I... of wisdom by jace words of wisdom by jace oh my god this is gonna be a new running thing at the end of every episode, we need words of wisdom by Jace. Exactly. Today, words of wisdom by Jace is don't fuck your cousin. I'll have a new one next week. And I might actually remember to tell you guys this week that you can find us on Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, Anchor, and any other place you listen to podcasts, except for Apple at this moment, which we will be fixing. And if you can't find us on any of your listening platforms, please email us at badnervesandboxedwine at gmail.com and let us know and we'll work on getting that to you. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. So just yep, follow- you can also see each one of our individual profiles. Send us a message. You love us, you love us, you hate us. Hey, even if you have an interesting story you want to, and we can even bring you on the line to tell your version. Just let us know. Hit don't us up. And we'll me. work with you. Hmm? Don't tell us you hate us. Please don't. I mean, we accept constructive criticism, but okay, part fine. of the, part you of can title- you can you can contact Jace. And tell me how much you hate Jess, because I tell her that on a daily basis anyway. So it's nothing new, guys. Part of our title of our podcast is Bad Nerves. Don't tell us you hate us. have anxiety. But we will definitely accept constructive criticism. And yeah. And maybe you want us to tell your story or you want to come on the show sometime and tell your own story. Let us know. If you want to send us the whole story, well, we'll definitely fit it in somewhere. Or if you just want to say, hey, I've got an awesome story for you and we'll be in contact. But thanks for listening to Boxed Wine. Oh, whoa, no. Thanks for listening to. You say bad nerves. Bad I... nerves, boxed wine. Yeah, I... Jess is drunk. No, I'm not. Thanks Goodbye. for listening.